You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Okay, so first, let's, let's start basics real quick, okay? I, I got some stuff I want to get to, so I'm going to hurry right here. Let's start about basics. What is the purpose of prayer? Now, I could fill up a sermon just about the purpose of prayer, but let me give you a real good one. And, and this came from our, uh, our grow group curriculum uh, just a few weeks ago. We were talking about prayer. And I, I kind of pulled it all together into one quote, right, about the purpose of prayer is this. Is prayer, the purpose of prayer is not to change God's plan, but to help us become part of his plan. Okay, thank you. I, I didn't think I'd get any amens about that because that's not really exciting. Because, you know, we really, we really want to tell God how to do it, right? Because we know what the problem is, and so we know what the solution is. And God seems like he's busy with other stuff, and he's not paying attention. If he'd just listen to me, you know, we could figure all this out. So I'm glad that a few of you said amen, but, and I, ho- I hope you'll, you'll get this, because it's really the point of the, of the whole sermon. But I, I want to give you some tips. I want to give you some things to hang on to. Okay, so let's also talk about you know, what is prayer? When, when is it that we're supposed to pray? How do we pray? Where, how, uh, 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 how should we pray or when and all those kinds of things? So do we, do we pray privately? Is that when we're supposed to pray? Like, like uh, Jesus, you know, you ever heard get in your prayer closet and pray? That's actually from the words of Christ where he said, you know, go alone and close the door so no one else sees you. Or is it when you're going down the road, you know, and, and uh, you want to be careful that, the, you know, the driver's back beside you, you don't see acting really too too silly and crazy, right, while you're, while you're praying. I mean, which is it? Well, there's scripture right there. I, I, I believe it's all the above. There are times that I need to just get alone and pray, and there are times where I just find an opportunity. I'm driving down the road, turn the radio off. Let's talk, God. Or, or corporately, do we pray corporately? And when we pray corporately, what does that mean? Does that mean that, uh, you know, we say, uh, you know, Kurt, how about standing up and, and praying? And he starts praying, and so, and we just, mm, yeah, that's good, amen. And, we, you know, and all that, and on and on and on. Or do we all pray all at the same time? Both. I, I mean, when, whenever I go out to eat with someone, especially if someone I don't know real well, I love to ask them to ask the blessing. Because I like to hear other people pray because I think it's a little window to their soul of what's going on. Now, granted, you don't get a whole lot normally in a blessing. <laughs> don't learn a whole lot about somebody. But if, if it's somebody that's got a moment and they, they do pray, you learn a little something. So I like that. But let me tell you, and it's been a while since this has happened. But I love to be in one of those rooms where everybody is trying to get in touch with God. And that thunder of prayer that is rising up from the room. I mean, it's, it's an audible thing, but it's the spiritual thing that is happening there. All, all of this is important. Every, every way that you can pray, it doesn't matter. Or, or what's our attitude of prayer supposed to be? I mean, is, is it supposed to be, okay, it's got supplication and petition and, and laying it before God. And here's what I, are we supposed to be militant? You know, get your sword and let's see, let's get out there and be militant and let's go to battle here. Again, it's all the above. There are times where it's just time to get on your face and just cry out to God. And there are times, especially for spiritual heads of the house, to stand up, throw your shoulders back, and just call things as they are supposed to be. <coughs> that other, other things that are coming into your home and into your life and into your marriage, into your 
into your kids. Oh, we're going we're to get there in just a moment. That shouldn't be there to put on that armor and to take that sword and to call the things as they need to be. Let, 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 me, let me just throw a few other things up here real quick that the Bible says about praying. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Pray. How do you pray without ceasing? I, I, this is one. I throw it in a sermon, and I say, I'm going to just say that real quick, and I'm going to go past it. But I, I, I got I got it just, just for a second here. How do you pray without ceasing? You know, if I pray without ceasing, I'm going to start running over things while I'm driving my car. I, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to run the forklift over something tomorrow at work, you know, and I, I'm not going to get, my boss is going to wonder what I'm doing when I, you know, I've got my eyes closed. That's, that's not what we're talking about. You know, you, you ever been fishing with somebody and you get home and your wife said, well, what did y'all do today? I said, well, we didn't catch many fish, but we talked all day long, right? Does that mean you talked all day long? I mean, there might be a moment where you're pulling a fish in and you're not talking. You know, you're thinking you're watching and all that. Or there's a moment that you're upset because I, I don't know about y'all, but I occasionally get a lure hung on something, you know, that it's not supposed to be hung on, right? You know, and I, I'm, I'm not really talking a lot right then. And if I am, it's, you know, it's inside and all that, right? And so there, it might not be. Last time I went fishing, uh, I, went, I went with Kurt. And, you know, Kurt and I, and we talked back and forth. I don't know if y'all can believe that, that Kurt and I talked pretty much all day long and uh, told stories. You know, Kurt's got a few, and some of them, I believe, are even true. And, uh, and so he would tell a story, whatever. And, and when Kurt finished telling a story, you know what? When Kurt finished telling a story, he didn't say goodbye because, you know, it's over. You know, he, he didn't say goodbye. We didn't say goodbye that day until he dropped me off at my car and I got out of his truck, and then we said goodbye. You know, we might have stopped, and we might have been quiet for 5, 10, 15 seconds, a couple of minutes or whatever, but we were talking constantly. That's the way it is when, when you pray without ceasing. And, and you know, when, when, in concert prayer, there'll be times, yeah, I'll say amen. But in my private prayers, I never say amen. I don't ever say goodbye to God. Because I'm going to talk to him again in another couple seconds. It's like, you know, there's something else coming to my mind and I'm going to think of it or there's something else. And, and so it's like I'm talking to him. And so you, you, it's, that's what it is. It's really like you just never say amen. You just keep on in that. You're just in this spirit that you recognize and realize he's right beside you every single moment of the day. And so you talk to him constantly about all your stuff. You don't always have to pick up the phone and call somebody else. You don't always have to go online and, and, and post something, you know, to, you know, to get everybody's attention, to feel sorry for you because you've got someone who has empathy with you all the time and you just talk to them. So pray without ceasing. Pray without wavering. Pray something and hang on to it. Don't give it up. And then effectually and fervently, passionately, with everything you've got. I mean, we, I sometimes call them five and dime prayers, you know, just, just nickels and dimes we throw up to God. Like, it, we don't even expect to get answers, do we? I mean, we pray and say amen, and we've forgotten about that prayer. Those are not prayers that get answered. The Word of God says effectual and passionate prayers are the ones that avail with God. The ones that you get serious with Him about. So we have all this direction. Look at all those scriptures. They're on the sermon notes page, the connect page, church2911.com slash connect. Go to the sermon notes. There they all are. I dare you. I dare you. I like dare better than, I'll say this every once in a while, I like dare better than challenge because dare sounds like you're up to something. I'm up to something. 
I dare you to make this your Bible study at least one day this week. It's to go to the Connect page, go to the sermon notes, and click. Because you, you don't even have to look up the scriptures. We've got, we've got it already linked for you. Click on Matthew 6, 6, and boom, it'll come up, and it'll talk about private prayer. And you click on Matthew 18, 19, boom, it'll come up, and it'll talk about, show you about corporate prayer. I dare you to do that sometime this week, okay? But now I want to get a little nuts and bolts, because I've talked to everybody about prayer. I want to really talk about to the spiritual heads of the house now about something. And um, I, I want everybody to hear this. I want you all to take this in, but you spiritual heads of the house, this is something you've got to get more than anybody. I, I love... Um, I love the Old Testament. I've preached a lot in the Old Testament in my ministry. One of the things I love about the Old Testament, now I know the Old Testament is law and all that stuff and everything, but the Old Testament has a whole ton of history just sprinkled throughout all of it. And see, what I've kind of, what I've kind of I believe, figured out, I mean, I believe this is true, is all these truths that are in the New Testament, all the things that we learn that we've heard Jesus say and then the apostles share with us and all the all the epistles that are in the New Testament We see examples of it in the Old Testament all these stories It's like it's like God was doing this even though we didn't understand it yet And then the New Testament explains all this to us That's why I love the, the stories of the Old Testament and here today is one story And I, I was going to share two with you and that's what I tore out last night I said I just don't have time to do both of them justice So I'm going to just give you one today and I'm going to save the other one for another time Okay and this is, this is a story, and, and you've heard, uh, maybe you've seen that old, 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 old movie, or you, maybe you've seen it coming on TV, and you said, I'm watching something else, called The Ten Commandments, you know, and, uh, or, or um, maybe, you know, the, the Disney cartoon, was it Prince of Egypt, something like that, you know? And it's, so it's about, it's about Israel being held captive, and we don't mean that they just were under house arrest. They were slaves, okay? They were slaves, and they cried out to God and cried out to God and cried out to God. And God kept sending plagues. He said, I'm, I'm trying to get Pharaoh to let you go. He said, I'm, getting, you know, I'm, I'm being nice to him. I'm trying, I'm trying to give him time to do this. And so, and so God keeps giving him time. Finally, God says, okay, here it is. Last night, this is your last night in Egypt. There is a, there is a plague going through Egypt, a death angel that is going, and there's going to be somebody die in every single house except for these that have marked themselves. Well, tell me how to mark myself, right? I mean, you hear that kind of thing, you want to say, well, tell me how to mark myself. Well, he does. Okay, so here, here's the instruction he gives, Exodus chapter 12. And this is just two verses right here. You can read the whole story later if you want. But Moses called all the elders of Israel together, and he tells them this so then they can go and tell all the families under them because it would take him forever to go through all, of, all the land of Goshen then. And said to them, Go pick out a lamb or young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin. You're not going to have to do this, okay? I just wanted you to know, all right? Um, drain the blood into a basin, then take a bundle of hyssop branches and use it kind of like a sponge and dip it into the blood and brush the hyssop across the top and the sides of the door frames of your houses. And no one may go out through the door until morning. Okay, now... Sounds like a whole lot of legalistic mumbo-jumbo, a lot of stuff that we could do, you know, and say, let's do what they did in the Old Testament. We're going to do that. We're going to leave the lamb's blood out because we have a better blood. You see, that, that, that is symbolic of what Christ did for us, and we have that blood, okay? So there are three things here that I, I, I want to kind of drill in on, right? Three things here that, that 
the father of the house did. Now, Moses didn't say, get your your 13-year-old son, tell him to go do this, this. No. He was telling the elders to go tell the fathers of all the families, you go and you do this for your family. The first one was to prepare. They, they, don't just walk out there and do it. You've got to go find a lamb. And you've got to kill them. You're going to apply this blood to the door, but you can't do it until you've done some other things. Prepare. One of the reasons we don't pray anymore is because we pray in our what? Leftover time. And who here today has leftover time? And so what happens to our prayer time is there isn't any unless we set some time aside and we prepare and say, this is the time I am going to pray. I mean, one of the easiest things to do, set your alarm clock five minutes early. I know somebody say, I already get up too early. You know, five minutes early so you spend five minutes with God. It'll change your day. It'll change your life. It'll change your family if you start doing that. Okay, Prepare. All right, second thing they did is appropriate or plea, appropriate. You know what that means, right? It means to use. I just like appropriate because it, when you say use, it kind of sounds like you're abusing in some way. No, appropriate. Taking something and using it for some purpose. It means to plead the blood of Jesus. Okay, now they had, they had this uh, bunch of hyssop, or it was kind of like a spongy kind of a, uh, of a plant. And so when they dipped it in, you know, it kind of soaked it up, and then they could apply the blood to the doorpost on the top and on the sides. And so they could do that. Well, we don't have that, but we also don't have the physical, literal blood of a lamb or the blood of Jesus. So we are applying it. How do we apply it? We got another, we got another sponge. We got this, this one right here, our tongue. You know, and we, we apply it by speaking the blood of Jesus over our situations. Speaking the blood of Jesus. It's because of the blood of Jesus. And, 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 and I, I, I know a lot of people don't like to talk about the blood because, you know, it's bloody and all that, all that stuff. The blood is what purchased your eternal salvation. The blood is what stands in the way of you and eternity. The blood is what has forgiven you of all your sins. The blood is what has given you a covenant with God, an eternal everlasting covenant. And because of that, you have eternal life with him. And, so, so, and all of these things were purchased through the covenant because every promise then that comes through Jesus is because of that blood. Because without the blood, there is no covenant. Without the covenant, there is no promise. And so every promise that you have, you can plead the blood of Jesus and ask him for it because of that. And so we plead the blood, we use the blood, we appropriate the blood, we apply the blood to our situations by speaking it in the name of Jesus. We, we mark it in such a way. And so they were out front praying preemptively. Now, let me, let me say this. Somebody told me this years and years and years ago, and I, I've shared this a lot of times, and so some of you have heard me share it, some of you have heard other people share it, because it's not original with me, is that when those guys got out on the porch, okay, and they were, you know, I think you're looking at the house, right, so I want to turn around this way, but I'll turn around this way, you know, the door's in front of me, and they dipped the hyssop into the blood, and they hit the top of the post, the frame, and then they hit the two sides, think about what they just did, they just made a stripe of blood vertical across that door and horizontal across that door they just made a cross of blood across that door all through all through the goshen part of egypt where israel was living is that's what men were doing and they were out on their porches marking their houses with a blood with a cross of blood for protection and security for their families to protect their families from what was coming so what they were doing is they were out front they weren't, recli- they weren't in the recliner watching TV. There was a time that they said, I got to be out front. 
literally on the porch out front marking the house. Now, obviously, we're talking more today. We're talking figuratively, right? You know, that you need to be the leader and be out front. You cannot lead from the middle of the pack. You can't do it. You don't lead from the middle. You don't lead from the sidelines. I know, I know, I know the head coach, he stays on the sidelines. But once he calls the play, what happens? He's turned leadership over to the guy that's out there in charge. You can't lead from behind. You can't lead from the middle. Leading means to be out front and show everybody the way. And so when you get out on that point, and there are times that, I, I tell you, there are times that I have just literally, I mean, seriously, sometimes we say, I just literally, and we really don't mean literally, do we? I'm talking about, I have literally gone to my front porch and said, God, I am tired of what's happening to my family. And speak the blood of Jesus and claim the promises and bind spirits that are working against my family. I've been out front on the porch preemptively. You know, and, and there's an issue there, right? Is how many times, how many, how many preemptive prayers do you pray? And how many reactive prayers are you praying right now? Think about how many, I mean, most of what we pray is the reaction, right? The problem, the struggle, the, what, what, you know, what's coming against my family. God told these people, there is coming a bad night tonight. People are dying all over Egypt tonight. But I offer you a way out. But you've got to pre be preemptive about it. Okay, so what do we really do with this? We mark our houses. Get out on the front porch. But that's not where it ends. You know, are you married? Then anoint that, anoint that bedroom. Anoint that, anoint that headboard. My, my wife, sometimes she will even, she will even make uh, prayer claws and stick them under my pillow. I found them. I found them inside my pillow. I found them underneath the mattress. I found them the same way into my kids' rooms. And they're grown now. If you want to know more about that, two or three of you ask my wife. I guarantee you she'll be glad to do just get together one Tuesday, Thursday, or Friday night and just talk about that and help you ladies do that kind of prayer. Okay, but for your, family, for your marriage, guys, and pray over that? Because your marriage is under attack. And you say, well, well my, my wife would never step out on me. I'm not just talking about sexually. I'm not just talking about adultery and those things. Your marriage is under attack. The peace of your home is under attack. The joy of your marriage is under attack. And if you are not preemptively praying, you're going to find yourself praying a lot of reactionary prayers because you didn't do the preemptive praying. Or do you have kids? Oh, I used to, I used to, and, and you know, it was a little game with me also. You know, you could almost play search and destroy or something like that, you know. It was when my kids were asleep and David was asleep and get out of bed and walk real quietly into the hallway, get down on my hands and knees and crawl into their room and just lean up against their bed or something and anoint their bed and pray over their bed and pray over the stuff in their room, and they never knew. That was one thing. I didn't want to scare them in the middle of the night, you know. The dad's passed out on the floor or whatever. But it's also because this is between me and them. This was between me and whatever it was that was coming in. And, you know, one of the things I used to do is I, I used to anoint their windows because, you know, <laughs> I was always scared somebody was going to climb in a window, you know, in the middle of the night or something. Now, you know, we've... Well, we got security system. Now, we don't need God to help us with that, do we? But, you know, that's the way we feel. Well, let me tell you, about, let's talk about the new windows. What about going into their room and anointing their, all of their devices? 
because those are the new windows into their lives. And, 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 and things are slipping in. I mean, you know, if we just anoint the front door, we know that that death angel was only coming in the front door. There's a whole lot of stuff coming in the back door and coming through the windows and coming in places that we don't. And, and anoint, anoint the game controllers and things that their kid, their, their friends touch when they come in the room. So, because they're also windows that bring things into your, into your family. Or, or, or things like, let me ask you this, I'm, I'm going to try to go on, and I'll ask this question, maybe this will give you some idea. How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you have children who are still in school, but you have already started praying for their future husband or their future wife? Have you started praying for that? If you don't, if you don't pray preemptively, you're going to be sorry one day praying a lot of reaction. God, why did you give this person to my family? Pray preemptively. I don't know, I don't necessarily believe that there's one person out there for it because if one person misses it, then we're all messed up, right? I, but I do believe that there is a right person out there for every one of your daughters and every one of your sons. Someone that will help them become everything they need to be in Jesus Christ. And you as spiritual head of your house, you need to be praying over them in that way right now. Marking their room. Marking those things. Well, how do I mark it? I don't have the blood, so I just speak the name. Yeah, I'll give you another one too, okay? Hang on. I meant to grab one of these beforehand. Sorry. That was my son, Brent, over there, so now you see it runs in the family, right? I want to give you a tool before you leave today. If you're a spiritual head of the house, I want you to have one of these, okay? It's, an, it's oil. We call it anointing oil. You know what, what, that, what makes it anointing oil? We bought it at the grocery store, an olive oil, and then we poured it, in a, poured it in a little vial to bring to you today. But then also the prayer team has already prayed over these things. We prayed over all these. What is anointing oil, okay? Now, I'm not going to make any Bible scholars happy today by telling you what anointing oil is. But I'm going to tell you a way an 8-year-old or an 80-year-old can understand it. This is what anointing is. Anointing with oil is simply marking something for a purpose. In the Old Testament, they marked pieces of furniture that were dedicated to God. You better not use that ladder. That one's been anointed. That kind of thing, <laughs> you know. And, and, or anointing people like Aaron, the high priest, and his sons who were the priests. Saul, the first king of Israel. Now, back in that day, that day when, when um, Samuel went to anoint him, the way they did, he had a bowl of oil, and he just poured it over his head, and it ran down. So everybody that saw Saul knew he had been anointed because it was running all down, I mean, all over everything. That's the way they did it back in those days. We kind of we do the brill cream thing. Little dabba, do you? <laughs> right? I'm sorry. That's, that's an old reference. Some of y'all don't get that one. Look it up, okay? Google it later. A little, little dab will do you, all right? It was, it was kind of like hair gel or something. You know, a little dab will do you. That was the Old Testament. Here's the New Testament. And, and there's scriptures right there. And those aren't all the scriptures. I just gave you a few, all right? More for your Bible study this week. Is most of the times when we see anointing oil, now there were physical uses of it, but spiritual uses, most of the time when we see it used, for a spiritual purpose, it was for someone who was sick, and they asked for the elders to pray for them, and they anointed them with oil 
and the prayer of faith save the sick. That's what it said. That's actually from James chapter 5, 5 verse 14. And so here again, what it was, it's marking. I mark you for a healing. That dad, you take this and you go into that baby's room when they've got 103 temperature and, and you take this and say in the name of Jesus, by his blood and by the priest of this home, I anoint you for a healing and I drive this fever away from you and you mark him for a healing. Or you mark that bed, or you mark the threshold of that bedroom, or you mark those windows, or you, or you mark those uh, t TVs and things. Oh man, and, and definitely mark, anoint all your TVs. God, don't let anything come in here that we don't need to come in here. But you better be careful when you do that because you're going to start feeling a little conviction over some of the stuff you're allowing to come through there. I didn't, I, I, that wasn't in my notes, okay? I'm sorry. Um, I'm really not sorry, but I thought I'd throw that in as, as, anyway. Or maybe you forgive me for it right there, throw it in. And this is what we've been given. So I want to give this to you. Yeah, I'm going to give every one of you heads of house for, for you to take this home. Let me, let me wrap up with two things real quick. Um, I lied again real quick. Uh, let, me, let me wrap up with two things. And I, kn I know you want to hear this one, this first one, all right? I, I, I really believe this, this, you, you want to hear this next thing. Why God doesn't answer all prayers the way we want. You want me to close or do y'all like me to address this? I think, let me, let me tell you something. There is not one answer to this, but there is an answer, I think, that is close to the one answer. And then there's 100,000 answers based on your situation, yours and yours and yours and yours. I don't have the answer to this because I still struggle with this sometimes. And so I see something happen on the news. I see something happen at a church in Vestavia. I see something happen to a child being neglected and abused. And I say, God, why? I, I, I don't have this all answered. So I'm not coming to you with full understanding of this, but here's the understanding that I've got. The Apostle Paul, you know him? God used him to start churches all over the Roman Empire. He wrote letters to the churches that you and I are still reading today. And you know what? He prayed. And he didn't get everything just like he wanted either. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. God said, uh, Paul says, now Paul said, you know, I've had a lot of awesome things happen. I could brag if I wanted to, but I don't want to brag because I know it's not me. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. He doesn't tell us what this thorn is. Who says it's a messenger? Yeah, but what does this messenger do? Does this messenger whisper something in Paul's ear to keep, remind him of something? Is it a failure that he had in his past? Or does this, this messenger from Satan whisper something in his best friend's ear so his best friend's always saying stuff that is just dragging Paul down? I mean, y'all ain't never had to live around any thorns in the flesh, have you? Or work with them or anything? Maybe that's what, I don't, I don't know. We don't know, and I'm glad he didn't tell us because then we would think that one thing is the thorn in the flesh. But we, we, we all have these things. And Paul said, I had one like this three different times. You know what that means? That doesn't mean, God help me, God help me, God help me, three times. Okay, God, I prayed. Now, because that's the way we look at it a lot of times, right? We, I prayed three times. What it means is, I just prayed and asked God to help me, and he didn't do it. I prayed a week ago and asked God to help me, and he didn't do it. I prayed a month ago and asked him to help me, and he didn't do it. That's what three times. 
different times means. He said, I prayed three different times. I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. God said, no. (laughs) He said, he, he didn't say maybe. He didn't say wait. He said, no. And what did Paul do? He didn't get all bent out of shape like you and I do. He didn't curse God. He didn't quit church. He kept planting churches. He didn't go online and post some nasty rant on Facebook. He didn't give God a bad review on Yelp. He said, there's something he knew. I tell you a lot. I tell you a little different way, but I tell you, I tell you this a lot, right? You've heard me say this. There's something else he knew. God knows things we don't know and plans things so much bigger than we can ever imagine. You see, I've had this this illustration idea in my head, and and, uh, I just got to share it with you, okay? Now, you're you're sitting at home this afternoon, you and your wife, you know, and y'all talking about, y'all got got a financial need. Y'all could really, you know, you you need $1,000 just in a hurry. Now you could sell a you know you could sell a car or something and get that out of equity or you know so you could you start to add up how many hours of overtime I got to work to make it up, but man it'd just be awesome if God could just give us a thousand dollars right, and then your cell phone rings and you look down, and you say to your wife, somebody's pranking me, Elon Musk. You know y'all know who he is right? Uh, according to which day it is, he's the he's the richest man in the world. You know, that, that, that's a subject change, right? Anytime, uh, and then, okay, and, and I don't know how you figure out it really is him, but just for the sake of my story, it really is him, okay? And and he says, I just wanted to help somebody today, and so I just started punching numbers, and you answered, and I, I don't know what situation you're in, but I just want to help you in whatever situation you're in. And you, you put the phone down, you tell your wife, say, he wants to help us financially. Now, your wife is up dancing a jig. You know, she's doing a Holy Ghost thing out in the middle of the room, you know. And you're still trying to hold it all together. You know, and he's talking and talking, and you're just wanting to get to the end of it. You know, you just want to get to the place of how I'm going to get my blessing and all that kind of a thing. You know, and, and your wife hears you say, uh, excuse me, if, if I could just interrupt. Hey, what we really need is $1,000. And I imagine your wife... Her jaw drops, and she levitates across the room to where you are. And all ten fingers wrap around your neck to try and catch those words before they get out of your mouth that all we need is $1,000 to the richest man in the world. And what limitation you have just put on the blessings that could come into your family. That's what we do with God. When we tell God, this is what I need. When he has everything, this is what we need. That's what we do. So open yourself to whatever. If it doesn't get answered, understand. Because you remember the first thing we said. is The purpose of prayer is not so you can change God's mind or change his plan. It's so you can get in line with a plan and you can be a part of that. Because who knows? Here, I promise you, this is my closing. Little story to close with a little, little praise report. Okay, a young man that I've been uh, meeting for mentoring since I don't know about March or so. 
Now, he's had, a, he's had a miracle. I haven't been meeting with him long enough for me to do the miracle, okay? This is God. <laughs> but he's, he had found himself. Now, he'd been in ministry before. And um, they'd adopted a little girl from a foreign land. They had a little girl of their own, so they got two little girls. He'd been in ministry before, but he found himself, through COVID, he'd found himself o- over a home church, a house church. Well, they're wanting to split up. They need, a, they need another house, and, and they're actually doing it in another house because his house is so small. So they've been looking for a bigger house, and they can't find a bigger house. They can't, and it's got to be in this certain area because their, their family is multi-ethnic, and they want to they minister in this multi-ethnic area. And so they're, they're looking for this, and, and they want to be able to start another one. And, and so uh, also they've got a couple of sisters, young sisters, that are of a different ethnicity than the others in their family. And so, so they're, now they're applying for their, and they've been doing this for months, they've been applying for their uh, foster license. They want to foster these two, two little girls, and one of them's an infant. And they, they've not even met the oldest one because they're split up. They want to give them a home together and a home where people will love them, and, and, and they hope to one day adopt them. But they don't have a house big enough for that. They don't have a house big enough to split off their church. And so I went on vacation, I don't know, two or three months ago, had a, had a good week of just Nothing. Just, I mean, we ate and rested. That's about all we did, you know, and I really needed that. And so he and I didn't get to meet, and I, I talked to him while I was at the beach. He, he said, can we get together? And I said, well, I, I'm out of town. He said, man, we got to talk. You just got to hear everything that's happened. So I got home. I said, well, when we get together, you know, I want to hear this. And in three weeks, here's what happened. After he and I met, and we prayed another time, two days later, he and his wife were talking. And he said, we can't, find a, you know, we can't find a house. We keep looking for a house. can't find them. We can't find you know, an area that we believe God is leading us to. And now interest rates are going up. We can't even afford the ones we were looking at. There's no way we can afford a house the size we need to do what we're talking about doing. So it must not be God's will. They didn't say, well, by God, we're going to do it anyway. But they said, God, show us. We're missing something somewhere. Show us what your will is. The next week, they got a phone call. A friend of a friend is selling a house in that neighborhood where they want to buy. They've, they've been renting it for years, and they don't want to fix it up. They don't want to put it on the market. They just want somebody to just pay them what they want for it and walk in and take it. They said, that's right up there, Ali. Two days later, they've got a contract signed by the sellers also. A week later, seven days later, they've got a contract also on their house. In that same time, their foster license shows up at their house. In that same time, they meet the older of the two little girls. Last week, he and his wife and the two little girls they already had moved into this new house, and the the baby came and lived with them last week, and the older daughter came and lived with them this week. I don't know if you counted there, but in about five, there's boom, 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 boom. Seven things in about six weeks that God did. Why? Not because their prayer changed the plan, but because their prayer helped them get in the plan. And, and they, got every, they got every single desire of their heart when they got in line with the plan of God. So your job, spiritual head of the house, is not to change God's plan, not to tell him how to do it, but figure out where he's going and go there and lead your family. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. 
If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.